Hey, I'm Gareth. I'm Bex. And we do a podcast called Gareth's Random Ramblings. Which follows two Kiwis and their random thoughts living in Australia. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, and basically anywhere podcasts come out of your devices. Now proud members of the No Phony Podcast Network. Welcome to Empty Seats. This is a weekly podcast where we review science fiction, fantasy, and horror shows. How are you doing today, Eric? Um, I'm doing pretty well. You know, it's uh, it's May 1st, and we are in, what is this, like week eight now of uh, quarantine? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's actually, it's it's consistently getting better out, even though it rained all week. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, had the day off, so I got to chill, got to relax. Uh so feeling good, getting ready to talk about some uh, Westworld as we lead up to this uh, season finale. Mm-hmm. Um, how you doing, Tom? I'm doing well. It's uh, ironic. There's like some, some parallels here because we're heading quickly towards episode eight of um, Westworld as well. So there's mm-hmm. that to look forward to. And this will be the finale coming up. So it'll be interesting to see as we walk through this episode and unpack everything that happened. Uh, there's a lot of loose ends that we were wondering how they're going to um, get tied up in the last episode. And so it is going to be a fun discussion. So should we head right into it? Um, yeah, sure. I guess I can just hop right in. And so this is Westworld episode seven. It's titled Past Pawn. And as we'll as we'll start to see uh, with Caleb's story, it's definitely uh, lives up to its name. But uh, the episode starts in Jakarta, where uh, Musashi, who is also a clone of Dolores, is in a restaurant, and he's met with and then killed by longtime uh, characters Clementine and Hanayo, while um, Charlotte kind of hangs in the background. And the thing about Charlotte is, the last time we saw her, she she was completely, um, she was blown up in a car explosion, and her whole body was burned. But in this one, we only see her face, and it's clearly been reconstructed back to something like normal. But we can also see that, you know, some of her face, some of her body still burns. So we're kind of, um, A, not sure where she got that, and then B, what her motives are. Because she, Charlotte clearly uh, is threatening Musashi and is, or not threatening Musashi. She she says, she tries to recruit Musashi saying, like, you know, Dolores is just wants us, is just trying to get us all killed, basically. And that they're basically just pawns who need to who just play their purpose and then are killed um so maybe charlotte is also a past pawn of uh this episode because she's kind of leveling up and becoming uh her own person essentially with her own agenda and her own plan but clementine and hanayo are not charlotte's goons they were uh rebuilt for to help mave and be part of mave's team to kill dolores so um, what I've been hearing is that Charlotte maybe tipped off Clementine and them where 
Musashi was. But either way, um, this Dolores clone is very much dead with almost little to no character building. And he has a plan. Musashi talks about having a plan that's going perfectly, but I, we we never saw this plan or we don't know if it's, if it's the same plan that Dolores has. So, um, I don't know. Did you, what did you think of this kind of opening scene to, uh, the episode? I mean, there's multiple tropes they're hitting on here. And I think that made it not really all that satisfying. Uh, the last, your last sentence pretty much wraps it up. He says he has this plan, but we've never seen any evidence of it or you know anything there. So unless they they're not going to spring that on us in the last episode, I'm hoping. <laughs> so <laughs> it just feels like a throwaway. I mean, it's a nice visual. It's a character that had you know looks like it could have developed into something really fun and probably had its moments at points in the series um, prior to the season. Was this character in the season in seasons one and two? So Musashi was from season two. He's actually sort of the uh, uh, mirror image of Hector. Uh, he, I mean, there was like three episodes where Maeve and the gang go to Shogun World, and Musashi is kind of the main character from that. Or not Musashi. Uh, anyway, but um, in terms of this season, I mean, he was just seen in one episode for a very short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And even though he's a Dolores clone who literally comes out of nowhere because he was created, you know, a month ago or something like that, he's somehow able to become the leader of the Yakuza, which mm-hmm. is pretty hard last I checked. And um, <laughs> it's not the easiest thing to do. But okay, he fine. He became the head of the Yakuza. Mm-hmm. Cool. But then he kills Maeve, and then we don't see him again until now, and then he's mm-hmm. killed. And it's really, like, I've seen that happen before in shows where you'll have this character and... It seems like he might have an important or bigger role, but then they're just, you know, literally thrown away because the writers don't know what to do with this character. And maybe we'll see some influences or some some parts of the plan that he put in motion later. But really, all he did was kill Maeve and leave. And that's it. So it really just it did did seem more like the writers were just like, all right, well, we got nothing for Musashi to do. So let's just kill him. We'll we'll bring back Clementine and Hanayo and we'll set uh charlotte's kind of intentions or motives for the coming episodes um yeah, yeah. that's right that's that seems to be what, have, what what's happened yeah and it kind of um it puts the whole multiple versions of dolores um story arc it, it kind of riddles it to bits because charlotte and this other character that you're uh, Muash, musashi those two characters, well, Charlotte's been around a little while, but we just don't know what her, this version of Charlotte with Dolores's central processing unit or a version of it inside of her, we don't know what she's completely up to yet. I guess that mystery is still kind of dangling out there. Um, so her character actually feels like it's alive, quote unquote. Yeah, and yes, yeah, so the last time we saw it, saw her, um, she was trying to rescue her family, but then her family was killed in the same car explosion. And it, I think it was pretty clear that uh, Serac was the one who ordered the car explosion. So what I was thinking was that Charlotte would go back to Dolores or, you know, get back on board with the plan and or at the very least have this vendetta against Serac to try and kill him to get revenge. But the it, I don't know why she would go and try and kill Musashi then, because that kind of goes against that plan. So maybe she thinks that Dolores tried to kill uh, Charlotte, after seeing how Charlotte became attached to her family and realizing that she was something of a liability, 
Um, we don't know yet. Maybe the final episode will tell us that, but I don't know. Part of me kind of thinks we're not going to see Charlotte again. Like, no, in, I don't think in, so. In this season, like she's still, mm-hmm. you know, she's still off in the background getting remade with the, you know, plastic surgery. So yeah, her, her story will kind of be in the, in the dark until next season when she's, when she comes back with some spectacular in some, in some spectacular fashion. I agree. Yeah. Um, so I guess we should move to uh, Dolores and Caleb because they're kind of the main part of this episode, especially Caleb. This is this is Caleb's episode. This is his coming out party. Um, but they are making their way to the re-education center in Mexico. And this is the same re-education center where uh, I think it's like it's supposed to be the original one where Serac met with uh, Liam Dempsey and showed she kind of showed him what was going on. And I can't remember what. Uh, Sirach's brother's name is, but this is also where his brother is kept. And then, so they break in and they find there's, you know, nobody, pretty much nobody there. Um, but what they do find is the absolute AI, AI program called uh, Solomon. And so Solomon is the precursor to Rehoboam. He's, you know, literally the father of Rehoboam. Mm. And um, it's really just all these insane reveals, essentially, where he tells Caleb about his past. And so Caleb's an outlier who, and what Sirach does with outliers is he rounds them up, puts them in these re-education centers and essentially brainwashes them into becoming hunters or like hitmen for other outliers. And they use that riot app that we saw at the start of the season um, as a way to kind of have a cover for being able to kidnap all of these outliers. And it's just really this (laughs) This massive, all-encompassing like plot to kidnap, re-educate, and then to either um, either re-educate and send them back in the world to catch other outliers, or then what, what would happen is if you were unable to be re-educated or brainwashed, then you were put into cryostasis. And so mm-hmm. when they find sort of the the main hub of Solomon, they find like you know thousands, if not more, of these cryostasis pods filled with outliers. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, I guess, but I guess the big reveal is actually Caleb and his past. So obviously we've been getting bits and pieces about what he, um, kind of where he comes from and maybe his past isn't all that he remembers. Um, so I guess the past is basically that he, he was in the military and he was running, he was part of this operation in, uh, was it Crimea? I think it was Crimea to try and stop this like Russian uh, revolutionary terrorist group or something like that. He's, he's injured and um, him and his buddy Francis are discharged. And at that point, so this is actually where it gets kind of confusing. You may have to help me. So apparently what happens is that after he gets discharged, uh, Rehoboam finds that he's an outlier. So he brainwashes um, Caleb into becoming this sort of uh, hitman or <laughs> this hunter of other outliers and him and Francis kind of become the, these hunters and they pick up other outliers and they bring them to this, to the uh, education center. And at one point during, during all of this, uh, they try to pick up one of the pharmaceutical uh, executives and he kind of tells Caleb that he's been brainwashed. And then, so Rehoboam finds that out and tells Francis to kill Caleb and then tells Caleb to kill Francis and then he and there's willing to pay them like you know as much as it takes in order to get them to kill their best friend 
So they try to kill each other, and Caleb's the one who kills Francis. And so this whole mind, um, this whole brainwashing thing about how Francis actually died from the start of the season turns out that Caleb actually killed his best friend. And hmm. after that, he kind of, um, I think Rehoboam kind of figured out that he wouldn't be able to use Caleb anymore. So he brainwashes him again and then just sets him back into the real world as a construction worker. Hmm. And that's when the season starts. Um, uh, was that confusing at all? I don't think it was. I think it, I think it was very clear. Yeah, I mean... I guess that's what they they play off that like they're expecting and hoping that everyone gets kind of tangled up in it and it's kind of the the trope of this it's their um the trick one of the tricks that this pony you know pulls out of its hat mm-hmm. <laughs> as I mix metaphors and confuse myself is that they kind of okay so if you drill down into all these details and you create enough details and you connect things together in believable enough ways it feels like real life because it's hard real life is complex right eric um Uh, it is i mean (laughs) we can't always determine everybody's motivations and even when you think you know how things are going sometimes they don't really go that way and they try to do that in this which is to me a way of them replicating you had you really articulated this well uh, a number of episodes back of creating history for a robot really is through just creating experiences and also kind of differentiating the, you know, suffering and pulling suffering out. And this is suffering again. Um, now Caleb is not a robot, is he Eric? Um, no, I believe he's supposed to be a human, although there's still one episode left. So you never know. There you go. So (laughs) they have reconditioned this person a couple of times and we've, He's definitely been through some pain, so it, it hits on that theme, which seems to run through all the seasons of Westworld, and it kind of builds on the mystique, and that's what you see with Westworld, is that you can't just focus in on the story beats of a single character. You have to look at how the entire rhythm of the show is going. It's got a rhythm to it, and so when you when you... When you start to wonder why things happen at the pace they happen or why they didn't do this and didn't do that, part of it is this rhythm that they're trying to maintain. And it's a it's a complex uh, storied rhythm, if you were to ask me. Which you didn't, Eric. You did not ask me that question. I didn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine. That means that we can move on and nobody <laughs> will feel awkward at all. No, I think you're in a great rhythm right now, actually. It's, it's working Thank really you. well. Thank you, Eric. I needed that reassurance at that point, actually. <laughs> I mean, so it's 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 the timeline of events is difficult, and I, I I agree with you where it's supposed to be kind of confusing because it's confusing to Caleb for obvious reasons. But at the same time, I don't know. I feel like as we were going through this episode, I kind of knew what was what was happening, and True. I was I was just sitting there waiting for Caleb to figure out what was happening, and that was kind of frustrating. And then he's literally like saying out loud, he was like, I was brainwashed. I was, you know, I'm an outlier. I was used to, you know, I, I killed Francis. And it's like, you don't, I, I don't know. It just, it didn't I mean, that'll happen like, when your memories are in, in fragments, right? And you don't have all of them. And you find a way to connect the dots a little bit more, which seemed to be happening when Solomon had the conversation with Caleb. So that all tracks. Well, I was going to say, that's the other thing is, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm looking at it from a uh, practical standpoint. 
um, and not realizing that it's a TV show, and I gotta give it some slack maybe because <laughs> I mean, there's two two issues I have is number one, if these are memories that are buried deep in his psyche, and like what triggered it being all those memories coming? So I get he walks into the room and he sees the room where he was essentially brainwashed, but then he goes down into this crypt where all these cryostasis pods are. And that's when he and that's when he starts remembering everything. And it's like, what precipitated him to remember all that? And it's like, you could come to me and tell me that I'm a brainwashed slave who kidnaps people in <laughs> in my spare time. But if you don't have like a drug or like a button that would make me remember all that, I mean, the whole point is that I'm brainwashed. I'm not supposed to remember it, so it's not going to happen. Um, that's I don't know. I so maybe, this, yeah, that's where mm-hmm. I think the story is. I cut you. I'm sorry for cutting you off there, but. One thing that they that makes this complex though is that's kind of how well just go picking on our profession here. That's how trauma works though. Mm-hmm. Like memories are stored in parts of of the human body that are not always accessible through language. And sometimes even if uh, an individual is old enough to have language, which language is what creates memories for human beings in ways that we can recall and describe and talk about. And even if you do have language. Sometimes it's so traumatic that our memory gets circumvented just because of the overflow of adrenaline and cortisol and other chemicals. I think they play off of that with with this. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, I'm filling in a lot of my own fantastical ways of thinking. They in no way, shape or form go into any of the cortisol and adrenaline levels in Caleb at any point. But they show don't tell. And I that's probably why we like the show, even though at times it lends itself to some confusing places that you think that maybe they're just resting on tropes. Like maybe this is just the trope of technology. Like there is a trope in science fiction, which is technology always wins. Like um, if we were watching the nature channel, you know, the trope of the nature channel, nature finds a way, you know, it's like <laughs> in science fiction, Robots and AI always win, and even when they lose, they're winning. And there's some of that mixed in here too, in my opinion. Like, how many times could you truly brainwash somebody without them, their brain being like scrambled eggs? Yeah, I mean, and that's the, that was the other issue I had is they. My understanding of the timeline is that he is in the military, he gets uh, dishonorably or honorably discharged, and then. Then he's picked up and brainwashed to become a hitman who's then brainwashed when he figures out the truth again, which seems it seems uh, redundant, first of all, because if he had come back and he's looking for a job and then there's this riot app that says kidnap this person for, you know, ten thousand dollars, you don't need to brainwash him and Francis for that. And so did you did they also brainwash Francis? Was Francis also an outlier? And then once they (laughs) see, I didn't. I didn't, it wasn't that linear when I watched it, and it could be that I was daydreaming about popsicles or something at the <laughs> time, but uh, to me, it wasn't quite that linear. Um, yeah. But so like, I don't. Francis, but then he, and then so then they brainwash him again to put him back into normal society. It's like, why not just kill him or put him into a cryotube and just forget about him? I mean, what's so special about Caleb that they needed to brainwash him twice? You know, and maybe, maybe there's theories that he's actually Sirach's brother, and that's why uh, he's so important. But I personally don't believe that. I think that's kind of stupid. But um, I mean, it just, it I don't be, know. I mean, other than him having the plot armor, I'm not sure. 
of why it, he's it so just important. depends on how it goes right like if they do something like that in episode eight and we're oh wow that was awesome but if it's you know if it they do it in episode eight and they don't do it well enough then it'll be like oh that was horrible um but i <laughs> i mean the other thing too they do in here is they don't okay i don't know if this makes sense because i've only watched this season like thoroughly the other seasons i i did you know did some homework but i didn't watch every single episode mm-hmm. i feel like part of this show is they they treat every character as a resource and mm-hmm. why do i think that's the case these robots you never see the main characters whether they're robots or humans let's let's say that they're robots you don't see them being you know dragged away to a warehouse and pulled apart and for parts and put in other robots and reconditioned, put out. You always see them re- reconditioning the same characters. And I know that's part of the story. I'm getting tangled up, Eric. <laughs> I'm getting, can I stop talking? I no, think you, I just, you, I ran into a wall. Yeah. yeah that, I, I love it when that theory just gets, gets slammed into a wall. But um, I, I, I guess just, I just ran my own theory into a wall. <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens when you think ahead. You don't just speak. Um, Why was I trying to think and talk at the same time? Well, it's tough. It's hard. I, man. I need. I think I need to be reconditioned. Where's Ciroc? Does he have a phone number? <laughs> yeah, buddy, your brain's broken. You gotta get. You gotta get some of that good old re-education that they got for us. That AR therapy. Because first of all, <laughs> I wouldn't mind talking about that AR therapy where you put on glasses and it's reality to you. That's freaking awesome. Like That's he should awesome. be. Like he should be using that to control the world. Like why does he That's need to have the world? Why doesn't he just put everyone in AR therapy and just Create, like, why doesn't he just make the Matrix that I've been wanting this whole darn season? <laughs> I know we like, want it so badly. Just do it. It's so much easier to control a population if they're sitting at a table, strapped strapped to a table with gl- gl- you know goggles on. Um, and just to make things really solid, just go a step further. Just take a, a little baby ice cream scoop. I guess those little butter scoops. Scoop everybody's eyeballs out and put an AI eyeball <laughs> eyeballs in. <laughs> Sit them on a chair. Have them watch videos all day long. Wait a minute, that's current day America. <laughs> that's what we're doing right now. I mean, yeah, as soon as I'm done here, I'm just going to go watch, I don't know, more news because there's nothing else on the, on a Friday night. Uh, <laughs> or, I don't know, maybe I'll find something to watch. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's just, it's, this. a lot of this episode was explaining Caleb's backstory and explaining um, the whole outlier program in general which is a not it wasn't even so much of a reveal at this point so much as it was just that exposition episode that you need in order to be able for the audience to understand what's going on and most seasons have that where they have that episode where they just kind of actually tell you everything that you need to know usually you know the start of a movie or start of a show and that's like especially with sci-fi shows like this where You'll, they'll, like a movie like this will spend the first you know 20 minutes explaining how we got to the you know the future that the movie is currently taking place in um and in this one it would be like this where we, there are these outliers and one in ten of them are no they're all re-educated but one only one in ten are successful and the rest go back into this cryogenic sleep and mm-hmm. now caleb's this uh what is this not only an outlier but he's an yeah. outlier that's breaking out of his own outliering. And See, the only show that does that and then they do it twice is the the Star Wars movies. They show you a crawl 
and they mm-hmm. tell you everything that's been going on to kind of set the stage. And then the first 45 minutes of the movie, they basically do the same thing over again. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. We're not, we're not reviewing Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm just thinking of, like, all these sci-fi movies and how, like, uh, Oblivion uh, with Tom Cruise. And yeah. it spends the first 20 minutes basically explaining how the world came to an end and then how he's like this 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 i can't remember he's like an inspector or something yeah i mean another tom cruise movie is the edge of tomorrow where i like that one yeah it's it's a great movie i really enjoyed it it takes like 20 minutes explaining about these alien race that can control time and then it's it's slowly invading europe like it's thinks it's you know communist russia or something and they're making this great stand on the beaches of what probably normandy because that would be poetic um yeah I mean, you know what they do here? This is a, as we're doing these comparisons. I think we're running into we're we're creating some markers, aren't we, Eric? Mm-hmm. We're comparing the show to other entities, and we're wondering if the wheels, one of the back wheels, got stuck in the mud <laughs> in the show a little bit <laughs> because it's spinning. <laughs> and although they're kind of resolving it, mm-hmm. it feels a little spinny. Like it's <laughs> it's like okay. I guess the big reveal here is the trauma is that he killed his best friend. That is traumatic. I'll mm-hmm. give it to, you know, and that's a late. This is an individual who's had layers of trauma, right? Because mm-hmm. we also a couple of episodes had the big talk in the diner with Dolores and Caleb where she kind of showed him who he was in the universe, his proximity to time and space, mm-hmm. and then walked out on the pier and gave one of the most inspiring talks i've seen in science fiction i believe dolores at that point and mm-hmm. if she went on a walk with me on a pier like that i would jump into the water if she talked <laughs> i mean she it was very convincing and i think now that you've had those kinds of moments when you take an entire episode and you're going to focus it all on caleb maybe our expectations were a little high like we were going to get a little bit more than what we actually got Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe that's why we, it wasn't like a, a home run. It wasn't a foul tip or a strikeout, but it definitely wasn't a home run. Yeah. I guess I think the reason why it wasn't as satisfying, this, this reveal wasn't as satisfying is because when you put it on par with the other seasons reveals, you know, the first season reveal was huge in that this William character that we've been we've been following throughout the whole season was essentially the sympathetic character we had besides Dolores. Turns out he becomes he is the man in black and they did this sort of time switch on you that was super crazy and although still confusing, it was a really awesome twist. And then the second season it was um that Charlotte was actually Dolores this whole time and she was actually murdered episodes before that. Like those are twists that really that add shock value to a show to the show i guess so i guess we i was expecting something like that too and i you could argue that finding out caleb finding out that he's the one who killed francis was the twist but at that but by, by that point i was not surprised at all that that's what was go that's no. what what happened no and like i mean the no. way they set it, up throughout the it, whole season, it, it just just like, oh yeah, you kill him. Okay, cool. Yeah. Is that it? Like, it, what else? Like, because I, I guess I also think it was, overall plot, it doesn't add anything to the plot other than he's just pissed right. off now that he killed Francis. You hit it. You just hit it. Like you you said it right as my brain connected. It was <laughs> simply a plot device. They mm-hmm. had to get Caleb and Dolores back at that plant 
And how are they going to do it and tie it all together in a confusing Westworld kind of way? It, this was the plot device. How does that work? I, yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense. And then, oh, yeah, you know, Dolores is also here this whole time. And she clean, she seems to just know everything. Like, she's just she is a goddess. It's not fair. She is that character in every video game that knows everything and is just walking around. You tap a little light bulb or whatever, and it just gives you all the information you want. <laughs> you know, like you're sitting there trying to hack at these monsters, and you're just not getting anywhere. And you just, you just wish that Dolores would come and just kill it for you because it would be so much easier. Thank but you. because it's a video game, it's, she just stands there and just yells at you and gives you uplifting, uplift, motivating speech to, to, <laughs> to fight the monster. Um that does Although, get us over to... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say, yeah, like, I, Dolores was there, too, and she's usually, like, this, you know, god presence who's just never afraid, and that actually kind of changed when she figured out that Maeve was coming. She said multiple times, like, I think this is where I'm going to be killed, or in case I don't make it. Like, yeah. she, she knew she was no match um, for Maeve one-on-one, and so she set it up, and she, she set it up so that she'd buy... Um, Caleb as much time as she could. Uh, so, and then Maeve comes in her awesome Terminator outfit and her samurai sword, and she's got this gunship flying above her, and it turns into like this little, this, this, this duel that the two of them have, where they're just, you know, fighting, and it's pretty good choreography, and then Dolores' arm gets blown off by a machine gun, and then so she runs back to Solomon, where, um, I guess Sirak left this, this military-grade EMP there as, like, a fail-safe in case Solomon ever tried to break out or take over again. And um, she activates it, and she kills Maeve, she kills herself, and she kills Solomon. Mm-hmm. Um, this is... So that's kind of the end... I don't know. It, just, it, was, the, it was the ending... To, it was an anticlimactic ending to a rather anticlimactic duel. Um, I yeah. don't know. The fight... Maybe I'm just being cynical and pessimistic, but just the fight also didn't really uh, mean a lot to me either, because I didn't honestly think either of them were going to die for forever. I agree. They, they've they kind of clicked that button too many times, and they did again at the end of this. <laughs> surprise, surprise. And there's a danger to that, right? Like the, the upside is a character who's dead or killed comes back and you're like oh yay they're back the trouble is if you do it too many times you're like well this fight doesn't matter and the whole time they were fighting i'm like well it really doesn't matter i mean whoever loses they're gonna click a little button they're gonna be in the next episode or whatever and but getting off of that i didn't think that the choreography of the fight was all that complex yeah and i didn't seem like the kind of I don't know. This should have been like a couple of Titans going at it. I mean, Dolores and Maeve go through almost everything. They fight like a hot knife through warm butter. And for the two of them to collide into each other, it should have been a colossal, a colossal event. And if the only trick to this entire fight was, I think um, Maeve had a sword and Dolores had a little remote controlled drone that fired and then someone was firing a rifle too and you know so it's you know she had a rifle set up that had some a uh, dolores had a rifle set up with some ai you know thinking helping her out helping the you know, whatever and then you had a drone that was controlled by mave and the two of them had kind of those weapons on their sides as well 
but it really didn't add any complexity to the fight. It didn't at no point was I. You know what? I, that's not true. <laughs> I wanted Dolores to win that fight. Yeah, uh, I did. I wanted I wanted Dolores to win, and um, I guess it makes sense that Maeve wins because I Dolores won the first fight essentially when she was Mushashi, and Maeve needs to get a win because she hasn't won all season. Quite frankly, she's been kind of. <laughs> If she's well, supposed to be that powerful, she's got to win a fight, right, Eric? At some point, you know. And I guess the problem is, like, I, you know, these these are two almost unkillable machines. I mean, this should have been, you know, the, the Terminator 2 ending where Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, the T-1000 are fighting in that, you know, smelting plant. And right. they're just beating the crap <laughs> out of each other. Like, that's what I was hoping. I was hoping for a fight like that where, you know... They're, you know, they're wiring. It starts getting shown, and one gets stabbed, one gets its arm chopped off, another one gets, you know, its leg blown off or something. Like, like they're really struggling, and they're 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 fighting to the death. You feel like they're fighting to the death, yeah. and that that not once did I feel like they were fighting to the death in this battle. No. And I mean, that's that's, and then also just Maeve's story started off so well. Her first episode, which was episode two of this season, was probably my favorite episode of the season and ever since then ever since she got out of that simulation like she's done nothing she's like this great powerful character is now just this terminator with no no freedom of her own and maybe it will resolve itself at the end of the season by next episode but i really don't think it will no. um i think they put Sorak in a weird position in this in this whole series and you can correct my lack of logic here i think they tied things just in a too linear a fashion, like his connection to Rahul Boehm, his connection to, I know he's the creator and he, you know, wah, wah, wah. But, and then the connection to Maeve, it's almost like Maeve is like a dog. Like, go fight Dolores, you know? <laughs> then he shows up and like, Dolores, I have you. And then, you know, it's like, I don't know. I don't think they did a great job with Sorak's character because it took away some of the mystery from at least Maeve's story. Mm-hmm. And I think she was kind of repositioned back on the board several times in this season. And I think that also didn't help the mystique of, of her invincibility. Yeah. I also think, like, quite frankly, why does Serac need Maeve at all? I mean... Right. It, just just hit the off button, right? Well, it's, it's just Maeve was able to track down Dolores using some somehow... Which means that Serac should have been able to track her down using the exact same, you know, technology. And at that point, you don't send one soldier to defeat Dolores. You should send he should send like an army. He should just bomb the thing. Uh, you know, he should just bomb yeah. that place out of existence. You know, and like they're on horseback for a lot for the start of the episode, like in the middle of nowhere. That's a pretty good way to just ambush him and kill him. And if Caleb's an outlier, then chances are they've been tracking him ever since they let him out. Uh, of the program, which means they could probably fairly easily find find them fairly easily. Um, it's just it's those little, those little plot holes that really add, start to add up when you get into this fight, where you can just see the creators of the show just saying, "Oh no, we just need to have that that final battle between Maeve and uh, Dolores because we've been building it up for five for the whole season." But then you'll see in the trailers that. They they're gonna duel one more time. So this duel doesn't. Is, there's all the stakes and any of the sort of grandness of this of this matchup of them finally meeting to fight is gone. It's almost like it was like a practice fight to set up for 
what's supposed to be the final fight next episode. But the way this whole season's going is that it's not going to be the ending of any, it's not going to be any finite ending to the overall plot and story. So therefore, this final fight they're going to have at the end of this episode is most likely not going to be the, the final fight they have. And it's almost going to be just like, uh, like they're two cursed Greek gods who are just destined to fight each other for all of eternity. And it's just, it's like it, Rocky, it's like Rocky Balboa versus what's that guy? He fought Apollo the Creed. <laughs> Apollo Creed. And then, or it's like in Pacific Rim, it's like the two uh, robot, <laughs> they got to have this training center and they're practicing and fighting. Like, yeah, I mean, it just doesn't have much meaning here. And, Hmm. Yeah. I think, well, I think it, well, it it really says something where it's much. I felt a lot more when the two of them were talking to each other when they were in the right. simulation and Maeve talks to Dolores to try and figure out the plan. That made me. That made that was much more satisfying than any fight they had. Even the that's the other thing. The conversation they had before they started fighting this episode was much too short. It was like you know twenty seconds, and they just start you know karate chopping each other. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, no, that's not what this show's about. The show's not about like like who who knows kung fu better. The show is about what is the difference in freedom and independence and you know controlling your own re- and making your own reality. The two of them were the diam- you know the diametrically opposed uh, uh, I guess theories of the same idea, and in and now they're just they're just punching each other in the face. <laughs> you have to have the choreographers and these stunt people from like better kill you know kill bill one and two yeah. if you're gonna do that right because you're gonna have to make this some super powered you know techno fighting um you go to any video game the female characters are always the best fighters so if you're in an ai uh this whole show is built around ai these two characters better be throwing some serious and so it's it and they didn't, and that was a letdown. And I think the first thing that really had, you know, has you kind of gives you evidence that they they screwed something up as far as attention in that plot device, mm-hmm. is that when Solomon and Caleb are having their conversation, there should be something happening in us emotionally mm-hmm. when Dolores and Maeve are fighting, and they switch over to his conversation with Solomon. That mm-hmm. should do something. And if it doesn't do anything, it means something wasn't done right. <laughs> um, because that's obviously completely different tone. That's a, a, you know, it's a letdown. It's not this huge fight. It's him trying to discover and get answers. And so it, it kind of pulls at different parts of the brain. And I do, I will say though, I've been kind of joking around a lot here, but the Dolores, I didn't want Dolores to lose that fight. And I did feel that throughout that fight. And I was happy when she pressed the red button, which mm-hmm. put her out of commission and Maeve out of commission. At least she didn't lose. That's what I was thinking in my mind when she hit that button. Um, keeping in mind, though, that I have no idea what the storytellers are going to do in episode eight with that, with what it, what happened there. Yeah, and I guess we should also we should go back to Caleb because the whole point of Dolores uh, fighting Maeve was to buy Caleb time, and the idea was that Solomon. They had asked Solomon to create a solution or a plan, essentially, that would have Caleb be this guy. The plan was to start a revolution to overthrow Serac and Rehoboam. And then uh, Caleb was going to be the leader of this new revolution, which Dolores kind of anointed him as the new leader. And that's so that's the past pawn 
of the episode. He goes from being this this brainwashed pawn to being to upgrading to being the leader of the revolution. And so the whole idea is that Solomon has, you know, it takes time for him to formulate this plan. And right at the end, just before May, uh, Dolores presses the EMP, he Solomon finishes the plan and gives it to Caleb on his hard drive. And so now Caleb, who has completely been just, <laughs> his mind's just been completely destroyed and given a fresh new motivation and character almost, he now gets to go enact this plan. Um, so I guess he's going to be the main character moving forward, even though, I don't know. They, so I, I don't know where they're going to go with it. Hopefully this revolution is cool. I would have been nice if part of that revolution would have been unleashing, unleashing all the da- data files of all the human beings and, you know, from Rehobrum instead of doing it three episodes ago, they do it at the end of next episode. And that is sort of him starting the revolution, which would then would have been able to lead into next season, which we would then be able to see the aftermath of him unleashing all those data files. But instead, we have it kind of done haphazardly three episodes ago, and now it's just sort of out there. Yeah, that was a misstep, because you really need to stack catastrophes when you're going against someone like Sorak, don't you? Like, mm-hmm. you need to have that little ring really bleed <coughs> black into the white. It, it can't be just... And so they took all of the, the oomph out of that. And I was as you were recounting them, I'm like, well, that was so three episodes ago. <laughs> <laughs> was <laughs> like i am completely over that little plot twist it doesn't even matter to me anymore yeah um shoot i'm trying to think if there's anything we haven't covered with caleb and his plan i mean we don't know what the plan is it's on a hard drive so i'm sure it's really important uh anything that goes on hard drives is important when you're dealing with technology because that's what <laughs> we think about in our our little world isn't it like if you're going to go through the time to download something onto a hard drive, then whatever is on that hard drive is important. So they definitely pricked that little itch. No, it was just it was just funny because it was just like, oh, it's all ready for you. And it's on this convenient, convenient little stick, you know, like those little hard drives you carry around. You viruses. There's viruses on those jump drives, though. You know that, don't you? <laughs> I mean, I don't use too many of them. The, I don't think zip drives. I don't even know what they're called. Yeah. <laughs> or I guess fl- flash drives. That's what they're called, flash drives. Um, I work with kids. I don't really work with computers. So you sorry. ask any IT guy, they they like flash drives was that's like, oh my goodness, don't put a flash drive into my desktop computer system. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever that does for the Westworld story, we'll see. Um, yeah, it, they are setting Caleb up. They've created his backstory. They've bolstered up his character. They've built up those sympathy connections that the in the viewer, and now they've given him a reason to move. And so, for all for all intent and purpose, they have armed this character for action. Mm-hmm. And it's either all he's going to shoot his entire wad in the next episode, not going to happen, or it's going to come up in the very in the next season, right, Eric? Oh yeah, and I think that's exactly what's going to happen is. They'll maybe kind of do some things with the plan, but it's all going to be saved for next season. And it's actually kind of funny because, you know, he is now the leader, and Dolores has made it fairly clear, like, it's kind of okay if she dies, and, like, she kind of doesn't care. And then what's the first thing he does in the trailers is that he brings Dolores back to life in this other body. So 
I mean, it, there's a solid chance it's a different Dolores, but I I also highly doubt that. No, they um, can't do that. Yeah, I think that'd be stupid. But it's just like, yeah, of course we couldn't we couldn't give you any kind of real stakes. So Maeve and Dolores are fine. Um, and I guess that that should lead us to the the final kind of part of the episode, which is Bernard Stubbs. Bernard and Stubbs uh, went to the reeducation center, um, and they found William. And William had the AR goggles on. He was having his little group therapy session with himself, and they kind of save him from that. Mm. After that, they um they're searching for something. It's really just files, and it really becomes like more exposition on what the outlier program is, and how Serac has kind of created this this whole system of capturing and either reeducating or. Uh, hold or essentially holding these outliers in these frozen prisons, and Bernard has the fun little connection that he's Serac treats these humans like their hosts, where he tries to reprogram them and send them back into their loops or give them completely different loops and just rewrite their stories over and over again. It's a little poetic, and that was kind of nice, but I mean <laughs> that's whatever. I kind of we kind of knew that already from the way that the, the season's been unraveling or or, or been progressing. Um, and then the three of them leave, and it seems like they're trying to find Caleb out in, in Mexico, because they go to a gas station that looks a lot like it's in Mexico. Um, and William, he, after his therapy session, he realizes what his purpose is, and his purpose is to be the good guy, and that's to destroy any and all hosts that, and just, you know, stamp them out of existence. And the reason for being is that that him investing in the park, him investing in the host and gathering that data was his original sin. That's the taint that makes him a bad person or makes him evil. And so he believes that if he destroys all the hosts, then that'll at least, at least redeem him of some of the more evil things he does, even though he still murdered his daughter. And it's kind of hard to get redeemed from that, regardless of what you do. Um, but he, you know, he states, you know, if you should kill me now, if you get, cause if I get the chance, I'm going to kill you. Uh, he says this to Bernard and Stubbs, and when they're at this gas station, he pulls the old, I have to go to the bathroom trick, and he comes out with a shot. <laughs> That's always a bad idea to let someone go to the bathroom. I don't care what show you're watching. <laughs> it's just like, you know, he's gotta, he's, he's gonna break out. It's like, just go with him to the bathroom and back. Like, how hard is that? No, they both stop to see if a car's working, because it takes two people to check a car. Anyway, um, he comes back out with a shotgun, and he's basically saying, like, you know, I told you so. And then the episode is over. And it's just like, oh, well, I guess we won't. I mean, we know he's not. There's about a 95% chance he's not going to kill Bernard. There's a solid chance he'll kill Stubbs because Stubbs is kind of worthless at this point. Um, <laughs> I feel bad. Like, he's had even less to do this season than he's had the last two seasons. And that's, I mean, I get it. You know, characters kind of outlive their worth and it's time to kill him and move on. But it's going to be in a rather sad way. Um He's he's yeah. he hasn't been but, shot in the chest or had an arm, you know, go dysfunctional or <laughs> thrown <laughs> off a balcony in, in a half an episode. So that's definitely happening in the next episode. You best believe that there will be a, at least one chamber in that in that shotgun will be ignited into stumps. <laughs> and I guess the the. I don't know, almost the entire value of their scenes in this episode was basically so that Bernard can realize that Caleb becoming the leader of the revolution is part of Dolores's plan because what is it? She had, she has this sense of poetic justice or irony or something like that. 
in which she would orchestrate a plan so that the the person who destroys all of humanity is a human it's is, is a human and not a host and that's that's all i got out of that honestly <laughs> that and that yeah. um at least on paper uh william's dead like uh, the system believes that william is dead and maybe that's a sign that william actually is dead and this is all in his head or he's still in the ar goggles or he's a robot or whatever who knows but i do believe that was just to make it easier for him to be able to travel off the grid and um yeah i i don't really understand why bernard and stubbs are even in this season for the most part yeah if i were a fan of bernard like you know how everybody i think that a lot of people they develop like their favorites like your favorite Mm -hmm. character and if this character ever left the show like for me it was glenn in Mm -hmm. the walking dead like i i burned my way through like a hundred (laughs) episodes and i get to season seven and glenn gets you know pummeled to death i'm like i'm out like i know you kill important characters every half a season they they put them down and then they elevate new characters and i go wow i didn't think i would be able to get on board again but i did and when they took out glenn i was done i have nothing to do with the rest of the walking dead and with bernard like if you were a real fan of bernard you're like hmm this isn't good (laughs) (laughs) he's basically walking around reading maps that's pretty much what he did this entire thing and he's got a little side kick and stubs and stubs doesn't really do much and so yeah that's my whole input into bernard and stubs and even with all this bernard does feel like a character though if they found a way to get him back like onto the track and you know mm-hmm. get some new tires on his car and get enough gasoline and get him rolling i think that they could tell a story around that character that we'd be interested in he just has that feeling like i want him to do something important even though he hasn't done anything important he does have that feeling even for me yeah i mean i would agree with you and bernard up until this point was one of my favorite characters he was he was really fun especially in the last season when we were having those time jumps but he and the way they started the season, it really seemed like it was going to be, he was going to be another central character of the show. And they had this whole thing of, he's trying to thwart Dolores' plans, but maybe he's not because he's actually under Dolores' control. So he creates this little garage, you know, garage door clicker that's supposed to, you know, change him. But then he's supposed, the whole idea is that he, you know, this, this huge plot device is used to, is supposed to be important. And then it's just, it's just gone. You don't see it again after episode four, I think it was maybe five. And you just realize like they didn't have enough to they had more characters than they did plot lines almost. Yeah. And they just didn't have enough for all these people to do. And I guess that's fine. I guess they did their best with Bernard because he's not really leading the revolution. If anything, he's going to be the guy who stops the revolution because that's what he's been trying to do. And so I am really hoping that regardless of how this season ends, he'll be much more important next season and we'll get some more revelations on him because the theory is that he is Bernard, but then his personality has been spliced with Arnold. And so really he's more Arnold than Bernard or he's not, he's not a host. He's not a human. He's this uh, mix that is supposed to be kind of the compromise and the, the way that the, that the two can learn, learn how to coexist. And that kind of goes I've seen that theme before where you take sort of the, the humanity and the consciousness of organic humans and you take and you add the 
technology and the invulnerability of these hosts and you splice them together to make this perfect, you know, organism entity. And that is the next evolution of humanity. And that is how we survive the next forever. (laughs) They call that, they call that character cyborg. (laughs) The character has been in DC comics for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Or synthesis. That's, so there's this video game called Mass Effect 3 and the or Mass Effect and the third one there was this there's this huge robot versus human or robot versus organic war and the final way to to defeat it is you can either choose to destroy the robots or choose to control the robots or you can choose to um synthesize yourself with the robots which seems to be the middle path the right path in order to evolve as humans um now, I don't if you're, I, if, if you're old like me, that happened back in the seven, well, late, I think it was early 80s with the Bionic Man. Mm. So you had Lee Majors. <laughs> he was an astronaut, and his little spaceship blew up on the runway upon re entry into the Earth's atmosphere. And they had to rebuild that man. And that's when you had your first part human, part cyborg machine. And that didn't make a lot of sense because one of his legs was bionic and the other one wasn't, but he was still able to run like 60 miles an hour. Like, that other leg is not going to keep pace with the bionic leg. That's never going to happen. But I do think they got the eye right because I think the way that eye would zero in from like miles away on something was always pretty cool. Um, but yeah, that is the narrative in here, isn't it? It's like you're trying to get um, robot AI and human beings to get along and to work kind of in perfect harmony. Yeah, and that's supposed to be like the happy ending. And I'm kind of, I mean, I believe that there that there's not going to be a happy ending for this show, at least not for everyone. I I'm pretty sure everyone's there's going to be a nuclear apocalypse at some point, or like Dolores or Caleb or Serac. One of them is going to get desperate and they're going to say. If I can't, you know, if I can't have the toy, then I'll, or if I can't have own the world, then no one can. I'll just blow up everything. Uh, honestly, I think that's how it's probably going to end next season, not this season. Um, which I guess does get us to next week's episode and what we can expect in the season finale. In that, I really have no idea what's going to happen. I know. <laughs> like, other than some, like, you know, some very broad strokes of the, they go to a city. And so obviously Caleb has to go find a place where he can uh, remake Dolores. And then you'd assume that Serac remakes Maeve and then they basically go back to fight it again. Uh, like they're stuck in their own loops again. Um, uh, yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> that's <laughs> I all stopped. I got. I, I have stopped. no idea what's going to happen. Like, there's like what other plot threads could they bring in? Like they could, they could throw Bernard and William. They could have them go there. Maybe William is trying to destroy all the hosts somehow, but he doesn't have like that button that can just turn off all the hosts at once. So how is he, how is he going to accomplish his goal? What's, what is Bernard's goal? Like, what is he even trying to accomplish right now? And where is, where is Caleb going to go to start his revolution? I think is the most important part. And that would be to shut down Rehoboam, I guess, or, I, I'm not sure if his goal is to free the human race, destroy the human race, or uh, destroy Rehoboam. Uh, and so I don't know exactly where he's going, because then if he's trying to destroy Rehoboam, he has to go to Los Angeles, where Rehoboam is. If he's trying to free them, then I'm assuming he's going there. So I, I guess they're going to Los Angeles, but I don't know. They're already, just... The humans are already free. I don't know what the hell is going to happen. 
<laughs> well, they're confused, though, because they all know their futures, and they're all wandering around and stealing from shops and <laughs> burning cities. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's where they've got us so turned around that we have no idea even what direction to point ourselves in. At the end of the day, isn't that the purpose of, of a... <laughs> <laughs> I well, are you? Let's do it this way, because we. I'll I'll just say right off the bat, I have no idea what's going to happen in the next episode. Okay, it's out. Yeah. Now let's say, are you interested in watching the next episode? Um, yes, and that's mainly because uh, I just I'm so invested at this point. I do want to see how it ends. I want to see how they set up for the next season. Okay. Now keeping in mind. We're not even talking about the story. We're out of that. We're out of the canal, and we're we're just staring down at the canal now. So if you think the way HBO runs their series, this last episode, mm, they really, oftentimes this is just a cleanup throwaway episode. Mm-hmm. Are they going to stick to that pattern where this is just a throwaway, and you're like, oh, wow, they're just basically sweeping the floors and picking up the party balloons. They're not doing anything. Uh, substantial here yeah so i think that's actually a really good um question because you're right that is usually what hbo and a lot of shows do where the final episode is the cleanup episode the epilogue essentially um and what we're learning about this season is that this season finale isn't a season finale so much as it is i think it would make more sense is if we saw it as a mid-season finale the same way uh walking dead used to do it and rather frustratingly when, you know, they'd go halfway through season two and then take like a six month break and then come back and realize, <laughs> realize that Carol's daughter was actually in the, in the barn the whole time and it was a zombie and they've been looking for no point. Anyway, uh, that, <laughs> you know, what, I, I miss, you know, what's so fun about that is it's so fun to binge 107 episodes. You don't have to wait for six months. Anyways, carry you on. You didn't realize like, cause I watched that show when it was, you know, airing. And so the, I think, I think the end of that mid-season was either they found Carol's daughter in the in the barn or they were about to find Carol's daughter in the barn. Either way, that oh. whole first half of that season was wasted because we all because Carol's daughter was right there. Um, so now that we're in this rabbit hole, I do have to ask you: mm-hmm. Did did Glenn's death hit you as hard as it hit me? <laughs> oh yeah, that, I, I I haven't watched the show since then since that last episode. Yeah, I'm out. I think they blew it when they killed Glenn. I don't think yeah, they... I mean, mm-hmm. go, no, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. So what I want to say is that I was already kind of trending downward by the time they got to Glenn. And I kind of, so two things. Number one, the, that episode, that final episode of that season should have been the end of the show because I can't remember what it was called, but it, the title of the episode was basically, this is your death. This is you dying. And the whole episode was Rick hitting dead end after dead end after dead end, and there's no way he can pull himself out of it like he has so many times before. And finally, they all get captured, and Negan comes out, and that should have been it. They should have just gunned down every single character. The season's over. Everyone's dead. That would have been freaking awesome. Yeah. But they didn't do that. And then my second part is, like, over the last year, I've been, been like Netflix, uh, Walking Dead's on Netflix. So I'll try and watch this season and it's, I can't get through it. I'm thinking I'm six episodes in and it's taking me like six months where <laughs> Negan is the most annoying ass I character. Know. I, I hate him. 
I hate his goddamn speeches. And I like that. I like. I think it's Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I like him as an actor. Like he's he's fine, but his character is so goddamn annoying. I just want to kill him, and it's <laughs> it's because of what he did to the character you loved. No, and that's and he's and he's a knucklehead. Yeah. Well, no, it's not even that. Is that he gives them so many chances. He's just like Rick. You know, you just tried to kill me, <laughs> but. I won't kill you now. I'll just hope you learned your lesson or uh, whatever that girl was. Uh, what's her name? Uh, anyway, she tries to shoot uh, him and he doesn't kill her. He kills somebody else. And it's just like, what the f- like? I know it's a TV show and you don't want to kill your favorite characters, but it's completely unbelievable. Um, and I hate it. Yeah. And I have I still haven't watched it yet. Yeah. So, OK, so I just needed to get that out in, into the open air. Um, so where were we? We were talking about how the, usually this is the cleanup epilogue episode, and why would they go away from a formula that works? Is this is this indeed going to be the formula anyway? So we really don't have to you know do much hand wringing, although it's always fun to do so. Or are they going to try and set up a cliffhanger that we have to wait for two years to have satisfied? I definitely think they'll set up a cliffhanger of some style. I mean, the end of the end of season two was, you know, Charlotte got on the boat with the five pearls. So you knew it was going to, that was a cliffhanger to see what would happen in the end or in the next season. So they'll do something like that. I'm just, uh, I don't know. Cliffhangers can either be awesome or they can be really frustrating. And I mean, I have no idea how they can do it to a way that's uh, satisfying because you can't kill Serac. I think the best twist they could show now is that Serac is actually Rehoboam, and that Serac isn't a real person, or Serac actually died mm. years ago, and that what you've been seeing is this computer program. I would love but that. I, I would love that. I think it's impractical at this point, but it would be awesome. And I would, it would love sh- that. And yeah, it, it would. Why would you love it? Why, why, why would it be awesome? I. It just um. Okay, he's annoying. So I do yeah. want him gone. Um, he doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. It's the idea that something that started, he's antiquated. I feel like his his movement in the show is antiquated. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is there's no way a human being has that much omnipotent presence. So it has to be AI. It has to be a character who's operating within the confines of an AI system versus an actual human being. Makes more sense in the memory of him or the continuation of a plan he set into place or maybe an, an extract of in the version of an AI program mm-hmm. interacting with that program makes is much more intriguing for me than an actual character named Sorak who pops in and out trying to control everybody. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> no, I me, do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, so what I think, what I think is in terms of a cliffhanger, what the best cliffhanger would be a twist, something like that in which it's something we didn't see coming is completely changes the dynamic of the show and the way that it's been leading up to it. Because the way it's leading up is it's a f- pretty um, easy sort of uh, battle between Serac and Caleb at this point where it's, tangible like they're real and they're gonna have to have a battlefield or you know they're gonna have these battles and it's it, it it's not as cerebral as it has been in terms of the 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 what do you call it 
the mm-hmm. duels of before between like Ford and Dolores or Ford and Bernard. I mean, the, mm-hmm. their 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 mental battles that they had to fight were never, you know, with guns or with hitting each other. It was trying to justify creating uh, consciousness and creating life, essentially. And mm-hmm. that that there's been none of that this season, almost none of that. And so it to reveal that Serac is the AI Rehoboam or to reveal something completely mind jarring like i'm still holding on to that theory that maybe this is all a simulation or that parts of it's a simulation or something like that something that'll just totally shake the foundation that this season's mm-hmm. been on would would um would not only shock us and make us and make us interested in the story but it'll make us interested for next season when you realize that caleb is fighting not only an ai program but he's trying to break out of the matrix essentially and or something like that um or that maybe it turns out that dolores is actually evil and serac's the good guy and now caleb is this unwitting pawn trying to destroy all of humanity mm-hmm. you know something like that something that'll get us talking for the next two years because we're because I mean, we're gonna have to need stuff to talk about to theorize and if it just kind of becomes this sort of uh what is it step by step kind of boring uh, drama yeah. that we that we can kind of predict, then there's gonna be nothing to theorize. Yeah, I think that would save the season in a lot of ways. Not that I'm not to be too melodramatic, um, mm-hmm. but that was that was dramatic. You know, all it, <laughs> that was dramatic, right? It's just um, a little dramatic, yeah. I think it would save the season though, because this last episode was fairly predictable. Almost everything that happened, like, oh, this is gonna happen. Yep, there it goes. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not a good thing. Um, it only works if you're heading towards the rhythmic end of the entire run. And you're like, you just want some things to happen. And even though you predict it, you love it and it happens. And But they can't do that because they have another season. So to, to me, was that a theory that's been floated around out there with, with everybody that's been watching the show? Or is that something that you were kind of mulling over in, in the deep recesses of your mind. <laughs> Sarag <laughs> being killed. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, Sarag getting killed at the end of the season here in, se- in episode 8. I mean, it's not a theory that's been, like, super debated, mainly because I think we all assume he's going to die at some point just because he is the bad guy, and that's kind of what happens to bad guys is they have these grand plans and then they're killed. Um, I guess what might be a twist is if he is like a real person and then it turns out that either Caleb kills him or Rehoboam actually kills Serac or it's part of Rehoboam's plan because Rehoboam figured out that these outliers were going to destroy humanity regardless of what he did. So they had to find a way to get Caleb to kill Serac, something like that. Um I could see, and then it turns out Rehoboam is actually behind everything and it has its own consciousness or that that is what I think is going to happen. I think something like that, where Rehoboam is much more powerful than Serac, and that becomes sort of the the antagonist for all of next season, would would work and would give yeah. us a new big bad to actually have to root against in the next season. And you get to kind of throw away this this stupid human, and it becomes a human. So it actually becomes a mirror reflection where the whole first two seasons is Dolores fighting the powerful humans to break into freedom and it actually flips it on its head where Caleb is a human fighting a machine to for his freedom and the, and humanity's freedom. 
And so then season three becomes this sort of um, middle, I, I don't know, middle of the mirror. I'm not even sure how to say that. And bridge? the transition, yeah. the bridge, there you go. Yeah, the bridge and the transition period between this sort of poetic uh, rhyming, as uh, I don't know, as George Lucas would say. And mm-hmm. no. I, you I, know what? Now that needs to happen because if it doesn't, I'll be somewhat disappointed. Um, because if they just keep plotting along the way it looks, it it's not nearly as interesting. They have to dishovel and twist something around. It would make this whole season feel a lot more important too. Yeah, I think the what I don't like is it seems like they've um, what seems to be more of a priority for them is uh, action and fighting and having these big confrontations instead of actually trying to build this mind blowing plot. I mean. Season two got really confusing and honestly a little too confusing to the point where it was too much. But at least they were trying to to present this insane theory about how they collected the data on every single human in the world. And it was in this library that Dolores could read in a split second. I mean, that was way out there in terms of theories. But at least it was more than just, oh, Maeve and Dolores are going to fight hand to hand and then and then they're both going to die. Like, at least you put time and energy into that theory, even though it kind of fell apart. They didn't, they haven't done that this season. They've done almost none of that. Like, the whole, I don't know. I guess Caleb's whole thing and the outliers and the AI programming, I guess that is a lot. But at the same time, it just, it just, it isn't the same. And Mm -hmm. I just, I don't want to say I've been let down by this season because I still enjoyed a lot of it. But I just, I find it, I really don't have faith that they're going to, pull out that the, i don't i don't have faith that the season finale is going to satisfy me to justify what's happened this whole season no i agree yeah, yeah. i do agree well eric yeah i think that might do it for this episode <laughs> of empty seats what do you think <laughs> i think um uh, i kind of talked ourselves the, I, into several corners and we're hiding and cowering and not knowing which way to turn that feels like a perfect <laughs> I think I think the Michael Jordan documentary called The Last Dance on ESPN is much more satisfying and fun to watch right now than Westworld, and it's on at the same time, so it's gonna be kind of tough. And this, let's see, they did Dennis Rodman, they did uh, Phil Jackson. I'm trying to think who's left. I think they got Steve Kerr is the next episode, and we're about to get. I'm really interested to see. They just won their first championship. I think it was '93, so they're gonna get the first three peat. Then they're gonna get the death of Michael Jordan's father and him retiring and making Space Jam. So I'm really looking forward to that documentary. It's it's awesome. And yeah. uh, that's have much more than this. <laughs> have you watched the first four episodes? or? No. Oh, yeah, absolutely yeah. I have. Um, so have I. I love it. They're great. I mean, it's yeah. we're both from – or I'm, I'm from Chicago. You're from Wisconsin, I suppose. Um, but, I mean – Everybody in Minnesota, though, is – connected to chicago sports in some way like when we at least to the bulls not necessarily to the bears or to the yeah the baseball teams but definitely the bulls because the timberwolves when i'm okay when i moved here (laughs) this happened back a while ago in the early 90s i mean the timberwolves had only been a a franchise for like three or four years and so Mm The Bulls were the team that everybody was pulling for, and they were all going crazy over Michael Jordan at the time. And and so this all of this stuff. And so what I want to see happen, although I shouldn't say this now because if we decide to talk about this, mm-hmm. I'll bring it up in that conversation, not right now. 
because it does have to do with <laughs> Scotty Pippen. This is a tease. It has to do with the whole Scotty Pippen narrative, the whole Jordan and Pippen thing, the all of it, and especially the last season, the last championship run, the last dance. So definitely something, and I won't forget it because it's uh, it's locked in my mind. Yeah, it's important. It has it's a there's a visual connection that everybody has seen, but there's a deeper meaning to it now that we've watched the last dance first four episodes well i gotta say tom that's that's quite a cliffhanger if i've ever isn't it (laughs) and i am now i can't wait to watch our first episode when we go in depth on the last dance documentary i agree so with that in our rearview mirror (laughs) for now and until next time this has been empty seats